I don't normally get real uh, worked up about a holiday, um, but this this year on this Resurrection Sunday, it's just about all I can think about is I love Jesus. I love Jesus. So I was sitting, when we were worshiping God, I was standing over there and I was just remembering. Well, I was a little boy. I bet I was six or seven years old, and uh, I loved Jesus then. I was, I was reminding God of it. You got to remind God of things sometimes. And, and I said, God, do you remember? I remember I would, when I went to sleep at night, I think I had two tapes that my parents had bought from one of those children's evangelists who comes through with the puppets and stuff. And I play one of those tapes every single night. I didn't know much, but I, I can give you some deep revelation on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Jonah and the whale. Deep revelation for a seven-year-old. I listen to it every night, and I slept with my Bible in the bed with me. And I, I love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I love you, God. Um, and when I was standing over there, I just felt the love that God, not just for me, that God has for his people. God loves us. Do you know that everything that God ever did was motivated out of one thing, and that was love. And we have this idea of God sometimes that his motivations are different than that. We have this idea of God that he just, that he's harsh and that he hates us because we sin. And, and even if we try not to sin, we, we mess up one time after another. And we come back and we pray and we promise God I'm not going to do it again. Y'all know? And we have this idea that that's not who he is. That he's mean, that he's hard, and that he's waiting on a way to punish us. He's just waiting on it. But... He has one motivation, and that's to be, that is to be close to us, for us to know him, for him to know us, to bless us, and for them for us to bring as many of his people, as his creation, back to him as we possibly can before he comes back and gets us one day. That is his whole, his whole entire being, the motivation of who he is, is love for us. Yes, he judges sin, but it is because of love. Because if he didn't judge sin, we would go to hell. Right? We would go to hell if God did not judge sin in us. And so even his judgment is out of love. God, let us see today. God, as we, as we look at your word today, let us see your love for us, the great love that you have for us, God. In the name of Jesus. God, we want to, ex we want to know your love today, God. In the name of Jesus. A lot of times we think that, a lot of times we base our, decision, our concept of God's feelings toward us based on whether or not he did what we asked him to do. In James chapter 4, verse 3, it says, you ask, it says, you ask, but you don't receive. Why don't we receive? It's because we ask amiss, that we may consume it upon our own lusts. 
So God tells us, what are you at? why are you asking me for the things you're asking me for? Is it for my glory? Is it for the kingdom? Is it because you want a nice car for yourself? Nothing wrong with wanting a nice car for yourself because God wants to bless us. But what are we after? What's the motivation of what we're after? And God said, if you're not receiving from me sometimes, it's because why are you asking from me? Why, why are you asking these things from me? But you know that there are ways to get something from God every single time, and those ways are to do it his way. If I pray in unity with the Holy Spirit, then I can be 100, 100% certain that my prayers will be answered because it's not me praying the prayer. It is the Holy Spirit, God, praying the prayer through me to himself. He's going to answer his own prayer. Amen. So we have to, how do we experience God? I know that there's a lot of people, you know, it's Easter. There's a lot of people here and who, who, who question that regularly. How do we, how do I experience God? How do I know this love that you're, you say that God has for me? How, how do I know that it's real? How, how do I know that God really cares about me and wants a relationship with me? One of the ways is we do things the way God said to do it. He said, come into my presence with thanksgiving. You come into my presence with praise. So we, we tell God, thank you. It's the same principle that works in every area of our life. Brother Robert was just talking about tithes. If we want money, if we need financial, we need something financial, we need a financial breakthrough, then we give. Because that's what the Bible tells us to do. He says, if you give much, you receive much. I've... You know, I've tried not tithing, and I've tried tithing, and tithing works. Not tithing does not work. You don't get to keep that money. No, you don't get to keep that money. God help us. If you want healing, then we, we plant seeds of faith in us. If you want, if you're lonely, you're sad, you're depressed, you feel like nobody wants you, all you feel is rejection. Brother Kim talked about that spirit of rejection in Sunday school this morning. If that's all you feel, then what you do is you plant the seed of relationship in someone else. You go, you pick up the phone and you call somebody. You just say, I just want to tell you I love you today. Call my kids, call my parents, call my grandparents, call somebody and say, I was just thinking about you and I love you. Do you know that the world does not have any love in it? Can anybody testify that you're not going to find love in the world? You find mean people in the world. And so nobody, how can people not love you if all you share with them is love? They're going to love you. So then you won't be lonely and sad anymore. Amen? Because you love somebody else first. That's why that scripture says, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If I just plant my seed, if, all I, if I say, I just want love, I just want somebody to care about me, God. God, you see, I'm alone. I don't even know if you hear my prayer. You see, I'm alone. But, and all I do is I just hoard that feeling inside of myself. And I feel sorry for myself, and that's the only thing I feel. And I sit around and I say, God, won't somebody reach out to me? Why don't somebody do something for me? When God gave us the key to have that need met, and that key is I plant that seed in somebody else. I give out the thing that I need. If I need money, I give some money. Amen? If I need relationship, I give somebody else relationship. I go find somebody 
and say, I just want to do something for you today. I just love you. Today I want to hang out and watch a movie or whatever you want to do. We plant that seed and then we get it back. Amen? God God planted the seed of love in us. Because, and every time we come to church, every time we think about him, every time we pray, he's pulling on that seed because he planted the seed of relationship already in us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to birth in us his love, though, not just I love God and I want to spend time with God because, you know, that's not that wasn't the end of what God wanted for us was to enjoy his presence. God wants to birth that the love that Jesus had in us so that we can work the works of Jesus. We have to understand the power of God's love for us. It is great. Um, In Luke chapter 21, verse 1, can we we put that up on the screen here? Luke 21, verse 1. Jesus shows us a picture of his love, of what the love of God is and the power that's in it. It says, and he looked up, and he saw all the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. For all these have out of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury, of her poverty, has cast in all the living that she had. So Jesus didn't actually mention the word love in that. But what he's showing us is, why on earth, let's just think for a minute, why on earth would a widow woman who has nothing who has the equivalent of maybe two pennies. That's all she had to live off of. She had nothing else to live off of. Why would she give that in the offering? Why? You don't give that out of guilt. You don't give that kind of offering um, so that people see you, because especially after all the other folks don't walk by and put in all their stuff to be seen. You don't give that kind of offering unless you are motivated by one thing, and that is that you are motivated by the love of God. That woman earned the attention of Jesus Christ. That woman earned the attention of the Son of God himself because she loved God. Not because it was two pennies and she was already poor. It was because of the reason she gave it. And he he made the point, he said, why do all these other people give? They have some extra money and they don't mind giving a little bit. They're not, it doesn't cost them anything. Not really. And they get something nice out of it because they get to look good. Taking up the big old bag of, you know, they couldn't write checks back then. If you had brought a lot of money, it looked like a lot of money. You brought it up in a bag. So they got to look good in front of everybody. And they just gave out, there wasn't anything to them. It wasn't out of love. But the widow woman gave out of love. And the power of that love got the attention of God. I don't know about you, but I want the attention of God this morning. So I, the only way to get that is to be motivated by his love. Amen? Hallelujah. 
it was a heart full of, it wasn't just a heart full of love, but it was a heart surrendered to God. When God said, you know what, widow lady, I'm sure he knew her name. Those, those two little pennies that you have, I just want you to give them in the offering today. And, and she didn't say, but God, well, she may have, but she gave it anyway. She could have said, God, you know, this is all I have. This is it. I have to go buy one loaf of bread is probably what I can get with this. And I can go find myself some water. And that's all I have to live off of, God. What are you going to do? But in, in just responding and surrendering out of love, she earned the attention of God. Now, we don't know what happened to the widow woman, but I know what happens when we get the attention of God in a, in a situation. I, have to, I know without a shadow of a doubt that that widow woman didn't just have two mites left at the end of the day. Because I know, I know when God gives us his attention, what happens. And so, but we see in that the truth that love, the love of God is the key to unlocking the miracles of God. That woman had a miracle in her life when God looked on her and saw her situation and was moved to do something with it. Amen. When we operate out of that spirit of love, we get the attention of God. And God can't help but move in those situations. What is God going to do with somebody who is totally 100% surrendered out of nothing but love for God? He's going to pay attention to us. What do we have in our lives that we need God to pay attention to today? I need God to pay attention to some things in my life. I know that every one of us here could raise our hand and say, I have things that I want God to pay attention to. I need God to look at this situation. I need God to move in this situation. Now, I could, I could try to buy it with an offering because you know there's, there's people who think that. I could try to pray and pray and pray and pray and remind God and tell God and yell at God and all that. But when I just lay my life down and say, you know what, God, it, if I'm poor the rest of my life, what is that to me if I have you? God, if my, if my children stay crazy, God, I have you. I have you, God. God, I, you know what, God? I'm going to focus on you, and I'm going to let you handle all these situations. I'm going to let you fight my battles, God, because I'm surrendered to you. And in that moment, in that moment when we feel like we're giving up something, in that moment where we feel like maybe we've even lost, in that moment, the power of God comes in. God pays attention to my situation. When I say, I don't care about this situation anymore, God, I want you. You know what? And you can say, that doesn't even sound right, but I'm going, can I prove it to you? Y'all don't even have to try to follow along with some of these scriptures because I'm going to go really fast. Love unlocks miracles. Here's evidence. Matthew 14, 14. Jesus was moved by love, by compassion. He healed the sick. John 5, I'm sorry, Matthew 15, 32. He had compassion and he worked a miracle and fed 5,000 men. It wasn't because he was the son of God. It wasn't because he had great faith. He, the Bible tells us the motivation that produced the work of God, love, compassion. Matthew 20, 34, Jesus had compassion on two blind men, and they received their sight. Matthew 1, 
41, Jesus had compassion on the leper and cleansed him. Matthew 5, 19, Jesus said that deliverance came for the demoniac because of God's compassion. Luke 7, 13, Jesus raised the dead girl because he had compassion. When Jesus went to Lazarus's tomb, he was moved out of compassion, and Lazarus got up. And so I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the one thing that produced a miracle that we celebrate today, Jesus rising up again, it wasn't divinity. It wasn't anything but divine love of God. And the Bible even tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in us, that empowers us, that quickens our mortal body, that empowers us to be righteous, that empowers us to be overcoming in every situation. And that spirit, it is the spirit of love. It's the spirit of love. God proved time and time again time and time and time again. Not that he was right. Not that the Bible is true. He proved that he loved us. Time, 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 time again. Passion, love, the love of God. It is the key to unlocking miracles in our life. Every time Jesus worked a major miracle, there was something in there about Jesus was moved out of compassion. Hallelujah, Jesus. Did y'all know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that when you receive the Spirit, you receive the nature of Jesus Christ. Amen? We re- what is the nature of Jesus? It is love. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive a baptism of the love of God. That love is the power that Jesus is talking about. He said, I'm going to leave, and it's better for you that I even leave so that you can get this gift. You can get this gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you have him, you are going to be, you're going to have Jesus dwelling inside of you. You're going to have the comforter dwelling inside of you. But more than that, you're going to be able to produce power. What is power? God tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, power is the love of God. He said there's all kind of gifts. The greatest is love. The great, because love unlocks. Love unlocks. Oh, my God. How many of us need a miracle today? Love unlocks the miracles of God. How do we know if we have love? Because we can say we love God all day long. We say we love God all day long. How do we know if we have love operating in us? John 15, verse 12 and 13. I'll give you a second to get there. John 15, 12. Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. With the love that I have loved you, love other people. Greater love has no man than this that he would get filled with the Holy Ghost and fall out on the floor. No. Greater love has no man that he would just go out and witness to everybody all the time. Not that either. Greater love has no man except that he would lay his life down and pray and be in the Bible and have great revelations. Greater love has no man than this except he would just lay his life down for his brother. We are willing. We'll, we'll get up and shout and jump all day long about let them lay my life down for Jesus. But Jesus said, 
What greater love is there except that you would lay down your life for another person? We don't like that meddles with us. Because other people bother us. Can we be honest for just a minute? Other people bother us. They need something, and we know the Holy Ghost wants us to do something about it, but I have to stop what I'm doing. But I want that great love. Because if I don't have the love of God, what do I have? He says, he says whatever, whatever you may do for me, However great a work you may do, it's like sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. That means it looks like a flash in the pan, but it's gone. There's no lasting value if you don't have love. I want the love that I would lay down my life for my brother in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. So how do we get, God, how do we get God's attention? How do, how do we work in love? And Jesus gave us the key there, and that is not that we just get so excited about Jesus. We do have to get excited about Jesus, lay our life down for Jesus, but in doing so, that we lay our life down for someone else. He said, the fields are white to the harvest, but the laborers are few. The laborers are the ones who lay their life down for someone else. Now, what do laborers get? If I do some work, what do I deserve? Money, that's right, wages. I'm going to get paid. And if I'm doing work, I get paid by my boss, right? If I'm working, I get paid by my boss. So if I'm seeking after God for something, and my whole focus is on going after God for this, God, I, I go in every time, I remind them, God, you said you'd save my kid. You said you'd save my kid. God, save my children. Save my children. God, you see this money. I don't have any money. You see my lack of money, God. You see it. I, you see my piles of bills, and you see my little bit of money right over here, and they don't match up, God. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, God? What are you going to do? But we want God to pay attention to our situation. We want to receive some wages from the Lord of the harvest, right? I want to receive wages from my boss man if I'm going to be a laborer. So, so we say, God, you know what? I love you, God. And I'm going to put my love for you first. And I'm, that means I'm going to put love for people first. I'm going to be a laborer for you, God. I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to pray for this city. I'm going to lay my life down and pray for my pastors. I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to begin to work the works of God. And as I do that, can I tell you the greatest miracles, the greatest moves of God I've ever seen in my life have not come from me focusing on my problems. The times I've seen God move the greatest, it was when I was focused on someone else, on, on doing the work of God. And God shows up and he says, what do you want? What can I do for you? Amen. And I say, well, you know, God, while I'm, I'm working, but God, you know what? You see this right over here. If, if I don't know if you, I, I don't even deserve you handling it, but if you can handle it, I'm going to keep working. Handle that for me, please. Bills gone, money comes in. Y'all know, I, and I, you'll probably may get sick of hearing me talk about this, but um, God moved me out of a job that was stopping me from giving my whole life in ministry. And so now, I have to wait on the phone to ring for people to call me to do different work here and there. 
And I tried to go, you know, I tried to, I tried to talk myself up and go out and get some business because that's what you're supposed to do if you're self-employed, right? You're supposed to go get some business. <laughs> Otherwise, you're no employee. And, uh, um, and so, and so I, start, I started trying to do that, and God convicted me, and he said, that's not the work that I've called you for. You do my work, and I'm going to take care of it. And, you know, and Michelle can tell you, every single time we've needed anything, my phone rings, and I'll walk in. She'll say, who is that? And I'll say, that's somebody. I'm going to get this much more money in a month. Hey, that's somebody. I got, I got $2,000 coming in. I got, hey, that's somebody else. I got $1,000 coming in. I don't do God brings that to me because I'm doing his labor. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything that God has done for us is because he loves us. Everything. He loves us so much. He, and we have to get rid of that mindset that he's trying to find a way that he's, if we're just good enough, that he wants to bless us. If, we, if we're just good enough, then maybe we can ask something from him. If we're good enough, that maybe we get to go to heaven if we're good enough. But God's not looking for ways to punish us when we do something wrong. God's looking for ways to bless us for whatever reason he can find. Amen. I, can, I have more scriptures. I'm going to prove it to you. I have more scriptures today than I've ever had, maybe in my whole life put together. Y'all just bear with me. And again, please don't try to put them up. You can write them down if you, if you care. Get the CD, listen to it online, and, and follow along later because we're going to move really quickly. Genesis chapter 3. We rebelled. The very first thing that God did was pave a way for us to get back to him, to be able to be close to him again, even in our sin. Jesus couldn't yet forgive us and wipe sin away and restore us to righteousness. But the very first thing he did when he said, you know what, I have to judge you because you can't stay in the Garden of Eden and have no problems at all or you're going to go to hell and my creation will be gone. There's no way for me to redeem you. But you know what, I've got to, I have to kick you out. Things are going to be hard, but here, I'm going to kill an animal for you. I'm going to make a blood sacrifice for you so that I can cover up your sin. The very first thing he did there, very first thing, Genesis 12, 1, his love for his people brought Abraham out to establish a people to keep his commandments. Genesis 41, his love allowed Joseph who had a heart after him to go through the stuff he went through so that he could be put in a position to save Israel from famine, to save God's people from famine. His love kept Israel safe in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 12, his love moved them out from Egypt when it was time for them to take the promised land. His love kept them in the wilderness. We think that God was, God was mad at them, you know, because he didn't have faith in him, but... It wasn't his anger, it wasn't his wrath that kept them in the wilderness all those years. It was because if they didn't have the faith to be able to walk in there, then they couldn't keep their promised land. His love allowed them to wait a little while so that they could have their promised land and have it forever and ever. His love kept his promises for them safe when they couldn't keep his promises safe themselves. Joshua chapter 2, his love delivered a prostitute and her whole family because she just wanted to listen to God. And the prostitute received the honor of becoming in the lineage of Jesus Christ. God doesn't care what you have done. 
He loved that prostitute enough to say, you know what, you can be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Loved that woman. Hallelujah. He drove out the enemies of Israel before them as they took what God promised them. His love drew, drove them out. His love delivered Israel time and time again. He, had, he brought judgment on them because they went into sin. If he let them stay in sin, they're going to go to hell. He's going to lose his, their promise. His love kept their promise for them. His love raised up a judge. His love raised up prophets to go and see them delivered. Hallelujah. His love allowed them to experience defeat at the hand of their enemies so they would remember to seek him. His love forgave them every single time. His love restored them to their destiny when they repented. In 1 Samuel 16, his love brought Israel a king after his own heart when the king they didn't want, when the king they wanted wouldn't serve him. My God, his love restored that king, David, when he found another man's wife raped her, and then killed her husband to cover it up. L listen, y'all. I don't, whatever the devil tells you, you've done this too bad. David was, did some pretty bad stuff. And God still called him his love. His love called him, this man is a man after my own heart. Because he loved God. Amen. His love kept Israel when they were taken over by other countries and always brought them back. In Hosea chapter 6, his love said forgiveness of sin and just covered it up. It's not working out. It's not enough because I don't get to have the relationship with my people that I want. In Hosea 6, he says the blood of sacrifices is not enough. I'm still separated from them and I want them to know me. So in Matthew chapter 1, his love came to earth. His love took on the, the body of a human so that his love, in his love, he could take on all of our sin. He could be tortured. He could, be, he could receive the penalty for all the stuff we've ever done wrong, that we ever will do wrong. He, his love took on the penalty of that for us. Do you know that his power could have taken him dead off the cross anytime? I was reading just this morning, just this morning, the mockers came by one after another and said, if you're really the son of God, pull yourself down off of that cross. If you're really who you say you are, you're really the king of the Jews, let the angels come down and rescue you. Where's God, when it, where's God for you right now? Is God going to rescue you? I'm sure his pride wanted to do something else, but his love, his love, took on all of our sin, took it for us. His love led him to die for us and pay the price for us. And in Revelations, it says that it is his love that's coming back for us again. In the name of Jesus, God, we give you praise. His love that he deposited through the Holy Spirit into each one of us. The love that he put in us, it's drawing him back right now. You know that God does, is coming back for himself. He's coming back for somebody. When somebody loves us, we want to get close to them, right? So the more we love God, he gets closer and closer, closer and closer to the time when he comes back. There's more Christians in the world loving God today than there ever has been in the history of the world. Hallelujah, Jesus. So when you think that maybe... You've gone too far. Well, you don't know all the things that I've done. You don't know how many times I've promised God something. 
and it didn't work, and I didn't do it. You don't know how many times I've tried to be free, and I'm not free. You don't know how many times I said, God, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to take that promise from, for you. I'm going to go take that promise for myself, God. You don't know how many times that I failed over and over and over again. God's deliverance is not still here for me. The grace has to have run out. But I have a really, really thick book here with really thin pages that provides evidence, not feelings, because those are feelings, but I have evidence right here from the very first page to the very last page that God's love will still take you out of those situations. God's love is, will still forgive you. God's love will still deliver you. Oh, my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We haven't said no to God too many times. We have not tried and failed too many times. We haven't sinned too many times. We haven't messed up too many times. We haven't. We haven't done half the horrible things that you can find in this Bible. Collectively, there's some bad stuff in there. Love lays down our life in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know that love is the answer to what... if? If we have an addiction, addicted to drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever it is, do you know that the answer to that is love? Because what does the Bible say about our bodies? That it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if I love God, I have to love His dwelling place. And so instead of saying, I'm going to try to get all of these cigarettes out of me and God take the cigarette addiction out of me, God, I'm going to try to put it down in my own self. We have to allow the love of God to rise up in us for the temple of the Holy Spirit. If we're addicted to drugs, we're destroying the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not, let's get off of drugs and let's talk about where more, where more of us live sometimes. If we eat ourselves to death, if we're addicted to food and sweets and all that stuff, God said that if you have enough love, then your love for the temple of God is going to, your love for the place where the Spirit of God dwells that is inside of these bodies will make you want to keep that body healthy. It'll make you want to take care of the temple. Do you know that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people, I, I think there's nine weeks worth of people when they rotate all the way through, who come in and they take care of the temple of God here, the sanctuary of God, because God comes in here. It's an honor to be able to come in and just clean and take care of the place where God dwells. How much more then? Because God, you know, God does, the Bible tells us God doesn't dwell in a building anymore. He lives inside of our bodies. How much more then if we really have the love of God in us? We really have the love of God in us that we have to take care of the place. So why do we destroy ourselves? It's because, of, it's because we don't love us. But I'm not my own. I don't have the right. Oh, my God, I don't have the right to, not love, to hate my body enough to want to destroy it. It's not my body. My body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if I love God, oh, my God, I want to prepare you a nice place to live. 
If you need healing, the Bible tells us what healing comes from. It comes from love. God, that we just let love rise up in us enough that that love, that your love connects with us, God, and that you drive out everything else in us, God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have one more scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of it, and to know that love of Christ which passes all understanding, that passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Oh, my God, that... That was one of God's greatest cries that, not that we get right. The church puts that on us a lot of times. Not that we get right. Not that we quit sinning. He wants us to quit sinning because he loves us. But it's that we would know that we would be able to understand and grasp and comprehend the fullness, the height, the width, the depth of the breadth of the love that God has for us. Oh my God, Oh my God. Oh my God, in the name of Jesus. 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 You know God's love is calling to us right now. It is calling to us. It's calling to sinners. It's calling to people who, who can say, God, I've, I've tried, I've tried and tried to get my life right, but I just haven't been able to do it. It's calling to the mature Christians who've said, you know, I've tried and tried, but I just hadn't ever been able to get delivered of this one last thing, God. I've tried. I've tried to give my life to you. I've tried to surrender. But if I can't surrender in an area, I can't do that of my own will. If I can't surrender in an area, it's because we have to surrender out of love. I can't surrender out of guilt. I can't surrender out of want to even. I have to surrender out of love. 